Ron DeSantis signs an anti-riot bill into law. Breonna Taylor's mother calls out BLM for what it is. And Maxine Waters, as usual, incites more violence. I'm William Hall, and this is The William Hall Show. Right, welcome back to the show. So Ron DeSantis, right off the bat, has been already kind of speculated that he's going to sign an anti-riot bill into law. Now, why would he need to do this? The reason why he's doing this is to make things very clear. Right now, the Derek Chauvin trial is about to end. As of today, they are you have the defense and the prosecution making their final arguments. And after the jury goes into deliberation and a verdict is issued... Well, let's see what happens, right? Well, I, I think that regardless of the situation of that verdict, there's going to be riots. Even if they convict him on some type of charge, I believe there's still going to be riots because people are going to still push back against what has already occurred. They're going to be mad regardless. Anything but first-degree murder or him just maybe just getting hung literally in, in the center square in front of everybody is going to basically result in a riot at this point. So, and especially if he's acquitted, by the way. So what we're seeing right now is that Florida, Ron DeSantis, is making an action right now, getting ahead of this issue. If you're coming to Florida to riot, think twice, because you're not going to get away with it here. We're not going to treat this like the other Democrat-run states and cities that let these riots continue, that continue to, if the rioters actually get arrested, which very rarely do they actually get arrested at all, but if they do get arrested, then hey, you're going to go to jail. We're not going to hold you there for a little bit, maybe a few hours, and let you go because we're trying to be nice to you. That's not it. We're throwing you in jail and that's it. So a little bit about what this bill entails. So a part of it is that it's going to make it more difficult for cities and counties to reduce funding for law enforcement, allowing local elected officials to challenge those budget decisions and giving the state power to approve or amend the local budget. In other words, this should help keep these certain liberal cities that are in Florida because they still exist in liberal counties as well from trying to defund the police over mob rule, thinking that BLM's in control of whatever's going on. This is also going to allow local governments governments to be sued if they fail to stop a riot, okay? So that's another big one. It's also going to define riot as a violent public disturbance involving three or more people acting with common intent, resulting in injury to others, damage to property, or the imminent danger of injury or damage. Once again, we need to set it straight. What does a riot mean, right? Like, what is it that we're talking about here? Is it one person doing something bad or is it a group? And it's good that they're actually defining that. It's also going to enhance the penalties for people who commit crimes during a riot, which is great because once again, we need things in place to deter criminals from doing these things. Now, it's also going to create a second, a new second degree felony called a, an aggravated riot, which occurs when the riot has more than 25 participants. Uh, causes great bodily harm or more than $5,000 in property damage, uses or threatens to use a deadly weapon or blocks roadways by force or threat of force. So the blocking roadways is a big one. That's one of the ones where a lot of people were like, well, they're not hurting anybody, so just let them go ahead and do what they're doing. It's like, no, you can't just block I-4 because you feel like it. Like, you can't do that. It, just because you feel like you're trying to protest something. that's That should be unlawful for people to actually do that. Um, the other thing, too, that's really big in this is that they are talking about the property damage. Because BLM cost millions and millions and millions of dollars in property damage last year. 
And I think that what is good about this is that it's not just looking at maybe somebody hurting somebody, but also just looking at the fact that if you're just destroying something, you, you're going to get charged as well for that. So DeSantis said in a separate statement that this legislation strikes the appropriate balance of safeguarding every Floridian's constitutional right to peacefully assemble while ensuring that those who hide behind peaceful protests to cause violence in our communities will be punished. Further, this legislation ensures that no community in the state engages in defunding of the police. So he's absolutely right here. All of these people that are in these rides, this isn't this isn't going to hurt people that are peacefully protesting. That's a constitutional right. This isn't hurting those people that are doing that. It's just making very clear the rules that other Democrat states have refused to actually acknowledge. It's actually putting in place and saying, you know what? You can get away with it in Seattle. You're not getting away with it here. You you, you can get away with it in Portland, not in Florida. And, and that's what's good about this. So this guy, um, he's the Black Voters Matter uh, co-founder and executive director Cliff Albright complained that the law was a reaction to America's youth expressing their feelings after the death of George Floyd, arguing that, um, and he said in response to that, for the state to say, we're going to criminalize your behavior. We're going to criminalize your passion. We're going to criminalize your protest. That's not what democracy looked like. Hey man, let me tell you something. Just stop talking. You're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about at all. You have no right in the constitution to destroy anything. I don't care how mad you are. I don't care what you think the situation calls for. That's not what the United States means. It doesn't mean, hey, if somebody wrongfully kills somebody, even if you believe it's wrongful or whatever, and it's up for debate or not, you don't get the opportunity to just go murder their entire family because you feel like it. You don't get the uh, the, the ability to go pushing and, and destroying government buildings because you didn't get a verdict you wanted. That's not how this world works, Okay. And these people that are talking about this thing, we're going to criminalize your passion, criminalize your passion. Let me tell you something. If, if somebody has a passion for murdering random people on the street, they're going to spend the rest of their lives in jail or receive a death sentence. Okay. I don't care if your passion is criminal behavior, you belong in jail and rightfully so. Don't try to act like this is just some natural occurrence that when something happens that you disagree with that all of a sudden you're warranted to do whatever you want to do. That's not how this country works. There are laws. If you don't follow them, you get arrested. Deal with it. Plain and simple. So there's this other part in here as well, uh, this clip from Grady Judd, actually chiming in on this issue with Ron DeSantis as well. I've got something I want you to see. This is what we enjoy in Florida. This is the Florida we know and love. This is what our governor, our speaker, our president, this is what all these law enforcement officers and administrators and sheriffs and police chiefs and their officers do every day. They guarantee an environment where you can come here and have fun. Heck, you can even have more fun. Here's another picture. This is the Florida we know and love. We're a special place. And there are millions and millions of people who like to come here. And quite frankly, we like to have them here. So we only want to share one thing as you move in hundreds a day. Welcome to Florida. But don't register to vote and vote the stupid way you did up north. You'll get what they got. <laughs> There's a reason that this place is fun. There's a reason why we have a 49-year low crime rate. And the same people that don't think we should have an anti-rioting bill or a rioting bill, 
are the same ones that think we ought to let more people out of prison. And where they're doing that, as the governor and our speakers have alluded to, crime goes up. But it's not just crime that goes up, victimization goes up. The people in those states are hurt and killed and their livelihoods changed and their children are changed. All right, I love Grady Judd. I actually live in Polk County well, with him. So well, I, mean, I actually think he actually goes to my church as well. So I, I'm very close to the guy. I actually know who he is. I, I've met him before multiple times and I actually used to campaign with him years ago when I was a kid uh, when he was looking for actually running for sheriff in the first place. But really good guy and he's absolutely correct. Don't come here voting for the same things that made your state horrible and what it is. In other words, don't vote Democrat coming to Florida expecting something different. You know what I mean? Like these, if you make a stupid decision by voting for Democrats for 20 years and it hasn't warranted you anything good and nothing's good has come out of it and you're moving here to Florida because it looks a lot better, don't come here and ruin the state too. Uh, that, that's a big deal. Um, and I hope people realize that. I hope more people understand that. Like if you didn't like it up there, don't come down here messing it up for us and the people that actually were, had enough common sense to elect good leaders for our state. So, um, you know, police officers also need to know that the department has their back. I think that's something that's lacking so much in our country right now. When you look at this Derek Chauvin trial, how pretty much at any given point in time, if a police officer does something, the police department is the last one to be in defense of the cop. They're like, hey, here's our information. Here's their name. Here's everything you need to know. We have nothing to do with them anymore. We didn't tell them to do any of this stuff. They're on your, you're on your own. Bye. And they leave them alone. And it's nice to see that Grady Judd is one of those people that, you know what, if his officer does something, like, he's going to have their back for it. That doesn't mean illegal behavior. But what it does mean is that if you start, if you aim a gun at, you know, one of his officers, he says, we're going to shoot you as many times as we feel necessary. And I'm going to defend them no matter what, because of that reason, to be able to defend themselves and go home safely to their families. And I think we need to see more of that in the United States, more of this from more police departments of sheriffs stepping up and saying, we're not going to take this stuff from you guys. We're not going to. There's a reason why Polk County doesn't have any of these issues. We really don't. We don't have any of these weird race relations and things like that, uh, at least not in any capacity like it is around the uh, in other parts of the United States. And I think that it is owed to people that make the rules very clear. You come at my officers, you're going to get shot. <laughs> like if you're actually doing something stupid in front of them like that. So it's good to see him out there making some awesome statements. So Chicago police actually had to release the body cam footage involving a 13-year-old suspect at 3 a.m. that had a gun on their person. The incident I think caught a lot of wind from people because of the fact that because the actual incident occurred in March actually and then we didn't hear anything about it until more recently several several weeks after the incident occurred I think that what probably happened is you may have had BLM or some of the other woke uh, groups basically saying hey this incident happened what's going on and then the police department released their body cam footage detailing everything showing exactly what took place so what we have here and i'm not going to show the video because it is very 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 graphic but if you're interested in that definitely go on youtube i'm sure other channels have it up available right now but basically what you had was this 13 year old boy now by this time that all of this was even sparked or happening in the first place the police officer had no idea how old this person was he had no idea uh who it was all that they knew is that somebody had shot an entire clip from a handgun and then was escaping from the scene. We, I don't think they actually shot somebody specifically, but they definitely were actually shooting. They were shooting something or shooting at someone at least. So the officer chased this person down, the suspect down 
in this alley. This was at 3 a.m., by the way. Keep that in mind. And throughout this whole entire incident, what you have is this suspect. The officer gave several commands and said, hey, put it down. He's like shouting at them the entire time. Put the, but you know, stop, stop, stop where you are. Um, and then what you basically see in over the course of maybe literally a second is the suspect pull out a handgun from his pocket with his back to the officer. He turns around and then drops the handgun while he's turning around. The officer shoots him. Okay. They, the officer literally had the, in the blink of an eye to decide whether this guy was going to shoot him or not. And the officer chose to down the suspect. And at that point, he immediately started administering aid, administering aid to that person. So he was uh, doing CPR on them. He called for EMS to arrive. You could tell that the officer was rattled by what obviously took place because you don't know. You don't know. And the obvious wise decision in this situation is never pull out your handgun when an officer tells you to stop or freeze. Um, and that's basically what this kid did. Obviously, it's a very, very stupid decision. The fact is that the gun was empty. Now, a lot of people are like, oh, well, that's all. Why would he shoot him? I mean, of course, the cop wouldn't know that until after, you know, they are, are obviously able to inspect the handgun and all that. But what it really shows is that the kid just literally fired nine rounds somewhere at someone, right? So this kid was basically a massive, massive gang banger. Uh, they did all of the stuff that you would never suspect somebody at the age of 13 to be involved in. So what you have is a bunch of journalists and activists on Twitter and on some of the other fake news organizations that are coming out and saying that Adam Toledo was not armed at all. He was unarmed, which is a complete lie. I mean, if we all we need to do is look at the video to see that that is a complete and utter lie. His nickname, by the way, amongst the gangs that he was a part of was Little Homicide. 13 years old, folks. This isn't exactly, uh, once again, another model citizen that we're looking at. Now, the guy was actually Hispanic. Uh, 13-year-old child or boy is Hispanic. Um, not black at all. But you still had a bunch of the Hispanic or uh, Latino organizations on Twitter coming out and trying to virtue signal over this and saying, oh, well, we need to protect our Latinx people. I, of course... It's just sickening to me that they use this opportunity when a Hispanic person is shot by the police. And instead of talking about something reasonable, they're using it to push the LGBT stuff with the whole Latinx thing. It just shows that they have no sensitivity whatsoever to actually what's going on. So the shell casing that they found did match Toledo's gun. And they also uh, realized that he had just gotten a Latin King gang tattoo and was in gang territory as well. So... What this really is to me is a failure of parenting. So many people are going to look at this, uh, the, the kind of crazy left-wing people, they're going to look at this and say, this was another incidence of police brutality. But my thought is, what in the world is a 13-year-old boy doing out in the streets of Chicago at 3 a.m. with a handgun? You're going to tell me that that is police brutality. But what is this child doing out there in the first place like this? This is a 100% parent issue. Because apparently there was a report because the, they spoke to, obviously, the boy's parents. And the mother said that he was actually missing for two days. And she never reported him missing, by the way. Didn't even bother. Which tells me that it's probably not the first time that he's gone missing. Wouldn't have been the last. And that she's also a terrible parent. That's what we're talking about here. We're seeing in our society overall a failure of parenting. A failure of... Parents doing their jobs, telling their children not to uh, resist arrest, Tell teaching them the basics of how to 
obey authority, obey just basic authority, like a police officer or a teacher. There's no reason on planet Earth why a 13-year-old needs to be out with a handgun in Chicago at 3 a.m. And yet the left-wing people would just probably not even mention his age. You just say, oh, it's more police brutality. Clearly, that's what it is. You know, the officer had no idea what was going on into that situation. And many officers have already chimed in on this issue. They have less than the blink of an eye to basically make a decision of whether they're going home or not, whether that guy was pulling a gun to shoot them, whether they were pulling it to drop them. And once again, if you have any common sense, you don't pull out a gun on the cops, even if it's your own concealed carry. You know what I mean? Like, if you're getting pulled over and you've got a concealed carry for a gun and the officer's just giving you a ticket, you're not like, hey, officer, let me just pull out your gun real quick. Let me, let me just make sure you're aware that I've got this piece on me. That's not what you do. That's really stupid, right? Even anybody with any common sense knows that. Uh, when I worked 911 dispatching, we oftentimes would tell callers that. That if you have a 9mm or, or any gun on you in uh, kind of a your first wave of defense of trying to fend off somebody that may be trying to bring into your home or something like that, hot, put the gun away before the officer gets there. Because you don't want the officer to get on site and mistake you for the person that's actually trying to bring into your own house. It's common sense. It's common sense, but you still need to tell people that kind of stuff every once in a while. So either way, I, it's a sad incident. It really is. But I think the real sadness part is the the massive failure of parenting in general that we're seeing in our society today. So just a quick reminder that I do have a Patreon where you can donate directly to the show. And please remember to leave a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts as it does help the show out. I released a separate video on this, this situation. It was involving the co-founder of BLM, um, Patrice Colors, And she had purchased about $3.5 million dollars worth of property spread out across the United States. Um, they're pretty decently sized houses or at least in a very, very, very expensive neighborhoods. And so of course she was getting a lot of backlash from even BLM people or BLM supporting people that were basically calling her out saying, why in the world would you do this? Where are you getting this money from? It's clear you may be taking it from the BLM fund. It's clear that you don't care about black lives or black people or black businesses or neighborhoods because the first thing you did was move completely out of those black neighborhoods. So getting into a little bit about what this is going on, she actually was on in this clip here talking about her, or I guess giving her best justification as to why she had this property in the first place. So a critique though from the left that would say, um, if you are a trained Marxist, if we're talking about a certain kind of radical politic, that extravagant homes of any sort or multiple properties of any sort is itself contradictory to the ideology that you hold. And so it's not about having money per se, but that it's about uh, or about property per se, but it's about there being a potential contradiction between your express politics and your lived practice. Sure. And I think that is a critique that is um, wanting. And I say that because um, the, the, the way that I live my life is in direct support to Black people, including my Black family members, uh, first and foremost. And uh, for so many Black folks who are able to invest um, in themselves and their community, they choose to invest in their family. And that's what I've chosen to do. Um, I have a child, I have a brother that has severe mental illness that I take care of. Um, I support my mother um, and I support many other family members of mine. And so I see um, uh, my money as not my own. I see it as um, my family's money as well. 
What I can't seem to find out is why in the world the black community has not sued this lady with a bunch of class action lawsuits by now. None of that money went to help the black community, by the way. Never has. We have no evidence that any of that money went to help out any black person except her. Let's keep that in mind. Or Democrat politicians. That's all we've got. But we have no proof showing that she's helped the black community out whatsoever. When the rubber hits, meets the road here, this lady has embezzled money from what it looks like. Looks like she has also tried to avoid tax laws by funneling the money through some other corporate entity, which is how she's buying the properties in the first place. She was hoping people wouldn't see this, by the way. Because my thought is that if she really didn't care all that much about this stuff, why are you funneling the money through a corporate entity then? Why not just pay it right out of BLM? Because, or, or pay it right in her name, I mean. Because what she's trying to do is cover it up. That's what this is. And it obviously didn't work. People found out anyways because people aren't idiots. And she treats people like they're idiots. But you have this problem where clearly she is trying to avoid some type of taxes, trying to hide the amount of money she's spending here. If she thought it was a good look, she would have just bought it in her own name and been done with it. But that's obviously not what's going to happen. Now, what would, and, and you probably remember the video clip from, I think, 2015, where she was talking about the fact that she is a trained Marxist. That's what she says they do. And if you remember that clip, what we're talking about here is a trained Marxist that is buying a bunch of private property. So what would Karl Marx actually think of all of this? Does it align with those views that she apparently stands by and is a part of how she's trained, apparently? So... First of all, let's talk about private property for a second. So the distinguishing feature in communism is not the abolition of private property generally, but the abolition of bourgeois property. This idea of private property is the, the final expression of a system and producing and appropriating products that is based on the uh, class. And, and the point with all of this is that the, the, the idea of private property in and under Marxism is that it shouldn't exist for the middle class and up that it's this outreaching or outpouring or the result that you get from this organization that is clearly not Marxist at all. And the thing is that he didn't believe in that whatsoever. The idea or in the theory of communists may be summed up in a single sentence that they should abolish private property. So that doesn't line up either. Now let's look at family. That's something that she also brought up in the video as well. And basically what that goes on to say here is that on what foundation is the present family, the bourgeois family, based? It's based on capital, on private gain. It's completely developed form. This family exists only along the or only among the bourgeoisie. And but the state of things finds its complement in the practical absence of the family along with proletarians and the public prostitution. The idea behind all of this is just the fact that the family, the private property, all of this stuff are things that the middle class and up get to enjoy. And her, I'm sure she's way up in the way higher than the middle class if she's buying three and a half million dollars worth of property. So all the stuff that apparently she is saying she is about being a trained Marxist is completely a lie based off of her actions because those don't line up with those beliefs whatsoever. But here's the thing. She's really an entrepreneur. She's a person that funneled money from BLM an organization that she does not really believe in. Uh, she's a lesbian. She's somebody who is married to another woman and has taken all of that money 
and has tried to, I'm assuming, avoid some type of taxes on that said money and is buying a ton of property all over the place. I mean, she was actually eyeing property in Miami valued anywhere between five to $20 million for the, all of the properties there. The point being is that this lady is and has manipulated hundreds of thousands of people into thinking that this organization cares about black lives. Meanwhile, taking all of those donations and embezzling it herself, using it herself and on the things she wants to do to get out of the black community, acting like it's all about family. The point is, is that these people are liars. That's what they've been for the longest period of time. All you need to do is open your eyes to the incidents and what's going on here. But just imagine speaking out as a leader of an entire race in the name of equality, despite living in the greatest country in the world where your race is doing better than any other country in the entire world, by the way. Now imagine le leveraging all of that power gained in that position for fame and fortune just to spend it on yourself. You know, what would MLK say? What would MLK's thoughts be on this entire situation? Would it legitimately be that he's okay with somebody doing that? What if Martin Luther King did that? What if he was asking for all of these donations? Meanwhile, he was living up in a penthouse in a white in an all-white neighborhood, buying three and a half million dollars worth of property. Would that be okay? Would we have a would he have a day named after him today if that was the case? I highly doubt it. Because people, I think, would realize that that is what a fraud looks like. And that's exactly what it is. So speaking of people actually noticing what's going on with this, Breonna Taylor's mother, somebody who has been apparently fighting alongside her, uh, alongside BLM, is coming out basically saying that BLM and their entire organization, at least in their area, are a bunch of frauds. So she said in a statement, and I'll read this to the best of my ability because there's a bunch of stuff in here. Um, I try to cut out some of the language, but basically she said, and this is Tamika Palmer, by the way. She said, I think it's crazy when people say they've been here since day one. Let me be clear. Christopher times two, the Montgomery family is the one and only day ones, not to mention Brianna's family and friends, but never, but they've never needed recognition immediately following is until freedom. I have never personally dealt with BLM Louisville and personally have found them to be a fraud. Attica Scott, another fraud. Then there's the people at Injustice Square, AKA Breeway, who have been 100 and held it down but that doesn't go to say everyone down there, but they know who they are. And also they needed, they never needed recognition. I could walk into a room full of people who claim to be here for Brianna's family, who don't even know who I am. I've watched y'all raise money on behalf of Brianna's family who have never done anything for us, nor have we needed it or asked. So talk about fraud. It's amazing how many people have lost focus. Shake my head. I'm, gonna say this before or i i'm gonna say this before i go i'm so sick of some of y'all and i was last in or was last anybody who needs it i'm with this i'm done with this stuff enough is enough sorry the the, the way she writes is horrible i don't think there's a period in that entire paragraph thing there so it's very difficult to read a lot of misspellings a lot of uh, grammatical errors but the point still is the same is that she doesn't even like BLM either in that area. That's obvious now. But here's the thing, you know, she got a settlement of $12 million, by the way, from Louisville because of what happened to her daughter. You know, and, and I at first was like, you know what, this is great. This lady's maybe she's waking up. Maybe she's realizing that BLM are a bunch of frauds, that they never truly believed in the things that they're saying, that they really don't care about her. Because what she's getting at is that she goes to these events talking about being all for Brianna Taylor. But 
nobody knows who she is. They don't even know who her mom is. So they clearly can't care that much, can they? But the point is that she's also ignorant too. Her mom is completely ignorant as well. She still believes that they... Uh, she actually put up a post on Facebook saying, or kind of celebrating this idea that they banned no-knock warrants. Completely not reading the police report, where she, if she actually read the police report, would obviously see that they did knock in the case of Breonna Taylor. Okay? They did knock. They had a no-knock warrant, but they knocked anyways. They announced that they were the police. Had they actually done a no-knock warrant, her daughter might actually be alive today. Because it wouldn't have given her boyfriend enough time to grab his own gun to shoot out the door and use Brianna as a human shield, by the way. The point is that the facts are what actually matters, but at least it's good that some people are recognizing that BLM is up to no good. Maxine Waters, a truly, truly horrible person when you look at what she says and does. I'm tired of hearing from her because everything that she's ever said that's ever made it to the news has been basically inciting violence. She's done it over and over again, and she got a little bit of a pass the first time she did it, and she keeps getting passes, and now she's made the most blatant incitement of violence I've ever heard. Not just manslaughter, right? I mean... Oh, no, not manslaughter. No, no, no. This is, this is guilty for murder. I don't know whether it's in the first degree, but as far as I'm concerned, it's first degree. Congressman, what happens if we do not get, get what you just told? What should the people do? What should protesters on the street do? I didn't hear you. What happens? What should protesters do? Well, we, we got to stay on the street. Uh, and we've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. We've got to make sure that they, they know that we need business. More active. More confrontational. They need to know we mean business. Okay, so why is this and how is this not considered as inciting violence? Keep in mind, guys. Uh, Trump got banned from Twitter and everywhere because they thought that he incited some kind of violence on January 6th, even though there was nothing in the speech that they could really point to that directly did any of that at all. Okay, and yet this is okay. Now, I would expect Twitter to remove her if they actually stood by the rules that they applied to Trump, but clearly they don't care because she still has a Twitter profile and she's still everywhere else on social media. This isn't the first time that she's done this. There's other clips of her talking about pushing back on Republicans if they see them in a restaurant. Let them know they're not welcome here. I've played that clip a thousand times before. But the point is that she is continuing to push this type of stuff and say this stuff. And it's, and it's just really ridiculous. And this is all because of Derek Chauvin as well, by the way. What she's doing is setting the tone for what's going to happen over the course of this week or next week or whenever it is that the jury finally finishes their uh, deliberation. That they're going to look to this stuff that she's saying, and it's going to be validated. It's going to be validated by the Democrats because they don't care about your cities, your home, or your safety. And they're setting this up already. Go out there and riot. When you don't like something, destroy everything. This, remember, these are not peaceful protests. That's not what this is. This is do whatever you want to do. Uh, it's all fair game. You know, she doesn't want a fair trial. I mean, you heard her in there basically saying, that was murder. It's murder. I don't want to hear the evidence. I don't care. It's murder. Why? Why? Have you watched the trial, lady? Have you watched a second of the trial? Or are you still sitting there looking at that eight-minute whatever video from someone's phone, completely ignoring all of the other evidence that's there? That's the problem that we have with these people today. They legitimately see a fair, uh, a fair trial as being racist. 
that the fact that Derek Chauvin even has a defense is automatically considered as racist somehow. It's ridiculous. So this other, and uh, last story for the day, there's this lady, uh, this 23-year-old. She actually died in a hospital um, after having an abortion uh, due to uh, what they're assuming is from the actual abortion itself. So, like I said, this is a 23-year-old woman died in a hospital in San, San Martin in the Argentinian province of Mendoza last Sunday, four days after having undergone a legal abortion in the neighboring town of La Paz. And then her name was uh, Maria del Gonzalez Lopez. Uh, her death was attributed to a hemorrhage and a general uh, septicemia. And according to what is known of the, at least from the autopsy report. Now, the judicial investigations are underway to determine whether her death was related to the abortion or whether she fell victim to medical malpractice. But what is known is that she was a rising figure in the pro-abortion Union Civica Radical, a historic Argentinian left-wing party affiliated with the Socialist International, having been elected last year as president of the youth section of the radicals in La Paz. So... What we're talking about here is a situation where that is obviously tragic. It's not a good thing. Of course, I don't think there's anybody on planet Earth that's like, oh, yeah, she deserved to die. Like, that's horrible. We should never say that. The point still is the same, though. What we're talking about is a situation where somebody was advocating heavily and, and, and heavily involved in these far left things saying that abortion, 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 you must be allowed to have abortions on demand whenever you want, no matter what. And then when something takes place where she basically dies from having an abortion, all of a sudden, you're going to see silence from the party she was associated with. You're going to see silence from all Democrats. You're going to see silence from any of those people because they don't want to acknowledge what's happening here. They don't want to acknowledge the reality that having these abortions is dangerous for the women as well. They don't want there to be any risks associated with having an abortion or at least that to be broadcasted to people. That's the problem. That's one of the things that many conservatives have been trying to fight for is transparency, is that these organizations are not talking about the dangers to the women. They're not talking about this stuff. And the problem is, is that Democrats don't care about the dangers to women. There was There's so many laws that have been overturned and taken away that would have merely provided more safe means for women to do it that have been turned down because Democrats are more concerned about getting the numbers up than they are about actually having it be safer for the women. There's many of them that weren't sterilizing their tools. There's many of them that uh, that many states still don't have admitting privileges to a local hospital. So if something does go wrong, they don't even have the ability to bring that person, that woman, to an actual hospital to even recover properly with doctors that are competent enough to deal with emergency situations. That is and should be very alarming to people. And obviously this is in a different country. But the point still is the same, is that any of these incidents, Democrats don't want you to hear about it. They don't want you to know about it because they're trying to cover for it. They don't want the risk to be unknown in this situation. They don't want people to know that. They want people to only see how easy it is, how fast and quick it is. Meanwhile, lying to your face about what the reality of the situation is as well. So definitely something that, once again, is sad. And we just have to kind of keep our eyes open for this type of stuff in the future. With that being said, I thank you for watching this video or listening to the show. And I will see you on the next one. You just watched an episode from The William Hall Show. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe.